tonight. Welcome to 6pm. I'm really excited. I feel God is moving in this place tonight. Uh, And I'm really keen because God's put something on my heart uh, for a while now. Maybe it's been a little bit subdued. I haven't really realized it. Maybe I didn't want to acknowledge it. It could have been part of it. Um, But I think it's not just a word for me. I think it's a word for us in season. So we're going to get straight into it. If you've got a copy of scripture with you, if you're joining us online, uh, Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to go. Get that one on the screen, please, media. That would be amazing. Acts chapter 2, 42, 47, we're going to look at that. To give you guys a bit of an intro, what has just happened, Acts chapter 2 is where the disciples are in the upper room, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they're baptized in the Holy Spirit, they go out into the city, they're speaking in other tongues, and people are just wandering around going, are these guys drunk? Like, what is happening here? And I think that's funny because there's, there's Jewish people from all over the world in Jerusalem for a festival called Pentecost. Uh, and uh, that's the moment God decides to move, a moment that can touch many, many people. And that's exactly what happens. They're like, what's going on? Peter's like, look, mate, look, guys, it's all good. We're not drunk, I promise. We haven't had that much wine. Um, but what we are here, what, what's happened is Jesus is doing work in us. He tells them about Jesus, about what he came to do in their lives. And people are like, what are we going to do about this? Peter says, hey, repent, which means turn from what you're doing, face a new direction, uh, and follow Jesus. And about 3,000 did that that day, which is pretty crazy, right? And that leads us to here. This, in, in our scripture, this is like titled the Fellowship of the Believers, which is really just a fancy word for community. Um, so let's look at that. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Next verse, thank you. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And that's pretty crazy, isn't it? When you think about that, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily who were being saved. Man, that sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? When we think about that, this is, the, this is like talking about the group of 3,000 people that's growing. It's talking about their lives. Has anyone ever heard the saying, we need to get back to the early church? Some of us, thankfully, I'm not showing my age here. Um, This is what some people say, and this is what they're referring to. This passage of Scripture generally, we need to get back to the early church. And you know what? I'm not sure I agree. Because there's a little bit uh, of the early church that comes with this great-sounding Scripture. I mean, they argued over food and language. They got arrested. One guy got stoned to death for sharing his faith. Then all the the believers had to leave Jerusalem and go live in new places. Uh, And then, before I say this, is anyone of Jewish heritage online? Great, because that's actually who the good news is for, because the rest of us, Gentiles, who weren't Jewish, technically were not supposed to be in the church until about Acts chapter 15, which is a few years later. So, I don't know. And then they were still arguing whether we should be circumcised or not. Can I get an amen, brother? <laughs> we need to get back to the early church. Now, look, look I say this, like, but I agree with the first half. This stuff is good. But when we say we need to get back to the early church, we've got to remember there's a little bit of stuff that comes with that. So I think the sentiment's great. But what we really mean is we need to look at the early church, look at the principles that are good, take that and apply it to today. I think that's a way better definition of getting back to the early church. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about community. Now, uh, we are all no strangers to community, right? We all had a family. 
some description. We all like, went to school. Uh, some of us played in sporting teams. Some of us have been in church forever. Uh, some of us have been in church for a short time. Uh, what other communities? We are work communities. We've got just going to Grand Central. Technically, if you're wandering around Grand Central, you're part of a community. We are all no stranger to community, which is a big group of people. Yeah. Now, I've been in many of these communities, but I haven't always been in community, if you get what I mean. Sometimes I'm in community, I've got great people around me, and I'm just like, you know what, I don't need these people. Do I really need these people? I can do this on my own. Yeah. Am I alone in this, or is someone, have you guys felt this way? Yeah. I remember when I attended, or attempted, is probably a better word, university, uh, I was doing a course called Foundational Mathematics. I know, but foundational, right? Like, I can do this. So I enroll in the course. It's part of my, my degree. I've got to do it. And about, you know, an hour into the first lecture, I'm lost. I have no idea what's happening. I'm not a mathematician. I don't know what they're talking about when they say a vector. Um, so I decided, you know what, I don't actually need to attend this course. So for the majority of that semester, I didn't attend one lecture, one tutorial. I didn't do any study. And then we're two weeks out of the exam block, and it's like, hey... You've got an exam for foundational mathematics. It's worth 85% of your grade. I'm like, oh, I see. <laughs> Do I really need people? <laughs> uh, so I ring up my aunt, who is li a literal genius, and thankfully um, she brute forces my brain through learning uh, mathematics, and, I, and uh, you know what? I actually passed. I got 55% of the grade, you know. C's get degrees, that's what they say. Um, but hey, could you imagine if I actually had have asked for help a little earlier? Yeah. If I actually had have got to be around the people who could help me at the beginning of the semester, not the end of the semester. See, I think we've all faced a bit of a situation like that where, you know what, we can do this. We don't need people. And then we get to that point where actually it's probably helpful to have some people around. Um, I think because the reality is we're all in community, but sometimes we don't want to be in community, if you get what I'm saying. There's things about us that deep down, we don't want them to see the light of day. We don't want other people knowing that about us. And so we attempt to go through them on our own. Things like anxiety, uh, things like depression, maybe it's self-confidence or, uh, or a lack of belief in yourself. Sometimes we don't want to let people into that. Maybe it's addiction, uh, whether that is alcohol or drugs or pornography or whatever that is. Sometimes we suppress that stuff and think, you know what? I'm strong enough to get through it on my own. And sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes it is, but in my experience, sometimes it is absolutely not the case. And so what I want to do is ask us, ask us this question. Do we need people? Do we need people? Yes? Yeah, we do need people, I think. So we're going to look at that tonight, and I think it's just timely, because right now in society, community is not the most emphasized thing. Uh, there is a lot of things out there that you can get offended by, you can be divided by, you can isolate yourself from, uh, and that's not just like, uh, you know, social topics, that's what, when it comes to COVID, that's what the government's asked us to do. And I think we've been pretty lucky here in Toowoomba. We have not been affected in ways other places have, and if you're joining us online, you might have experienced some of that stuff. Um, we've been pretty lucky here, but even so, I think it's impacted how we as people see community. I think we have lost somewhat of the ability or the way that we used to connect through community. But what I think it's actually done is created a deeper desire within us for more community, deeper community. So looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, there are three keys, three good principles we can take from the early church and apply to now. We ready? The first one is, it's for everyone. 
Everyone say, for everyone. For everyone. everyone. It's very obvious in this scripture, in many of the translations, that this was a community for everyone. They say things like they. They say things like all together. They refer to everyone as all. It's very clear it's for everyone because that is inclusive language. It doesn't say the leaders and the bosses and the high and mighty and the plebs. It doesn't say that at all. It says they, everyone, all together, all the believers. And I love that because it's a picture uh, that it didn't matter who people were or where they were at in life, they were included in the community. The only element was that you had to want to be a part of it. Man, how good is that? Now, this is a kind of community relationship, the picture that Jesus actually came to paint to the world, that it wasn't about an in and out mentality. It wasn't about if you followed all 600 rules of the Old Testament, uh, you could be in. And if you got one of them wrong, see you, buddy. It wasn't about that. It was about that everyone, if you wanted it, you were in. That's what Jesus, the picture he paints of the relationship God has for us. And this is mirrored in Acts chapter 2 with the way the believers conducted their community. And I think that's just so important because What Jesus revealed to us is it didn't matter who you are or where you're at, you were in. And that's exactly how this community behaved. And that's the kind of community I want to be a part of. If that's what the early church is like, I want a part of that now, which is awesome. I just think it's so powerful for us because, yes, we need people, but we need the right people, the people that will accept us no matter what. It doesn't matter what our life looks like. It doesn't matter how messy it is or where we're at on the journey, that people accept us for who we are. They welcome us in to an inviting community for everyone. I was just thinking about that, what that might look like is a community that enjoys your presence all the time, not just when it's convenient to them. It might look like a community that walks the journey with you, not waits for you at the destination. It's the the excited that you're a part of it, that you would actually want to engage in it, not just check if you've met any pre-requirements ahead of time to then accept you in. I think that's the kind of community we need as people. We're all unique, right? We're all individual, um, but which makes it, you know, I've got friends that there's some things about their lives. I'm like, I'm very confused. But you know what? I still love them. They're still my friends. We engage in that kind of community because it's good for us as people to be accepted. The second thing we see is that this was a genuine community. What does genuine mean, right? It means real. It means loving. It doesn't mean fake. I look at this and it's very, we can look at the everyone, the everyone thought with all the different they's and all togethers, all the believers, and look at that and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, but it's just all for show because they're a church, right? Well, they weren't even called a church way back then, so we can't use that excuse. This is, I, I see that this wasn't just for show because of the way they treated each other. There is a passage there. They sold personal items and land to meet needs of people in their community. Can you guys comprehend what that means? If we were to do that today, it would be me selling my house and my land to go and meet someone else's need. Now, what does that leave me? That's right, though. It's nothing. Potentially, uh, I won't have a place to live, but I met the need of someone. Like, can you like, imagine the gravity of that situation? Like you're walking down the street, you see someone, they're like, I just dropped my iPhone, I need it for work, and you go, no worries, $2,000, here's a new one. Yeah. Or just take mine. Yeah. Like, can you imagine? That's like, now, I'm not saying... We need to do exactly those things. There are ways we can genuinely care for people in our community. But like, can you guys like, get the gravity? That's real, genuine relationship. It says they had everything in common. It says to me that there wasn't this sense of high and mightiness amongst some of them or the leaders or the apostles. It was they had all together, 
everything in common. They probably shared a lot of the same issues. When you think of the persecution the early church faced, it wasn't just a couple of them getting singled out, it was all of them. Uh, You think about the wins that those guys were having. Now, on the other hand, they were probably celebrating a lot of the same wins in life, whether it's providing for the people's family, whether that's just, hey, I've got a new job opportunity. Look, I had a conversation with someone, and they want to come check this thing out. Like, those are the same wins then as they are today. You know, I look at that, and like, man, they celebrated this stuff. They have things in common. Um, They broke bread in homes. Now, who regularly invites someone you have no idea who they are into your house? I hear some, I don't know about that one. <laughs> you know, if you have real relationship with people, you're more than happy to invite them into your house to have a meal with them. Um, but these guys were doing it all the time. This wasn't just a one-off. This was genuine relationship. And man, this is a community that put their, I guess we'd say the money where their mouth is. I think they put their action where their mouth is. They didn't just talk that Jesus loves everyone. They actually loved everyone. They showed people that. You know, don't just be in a group of people, is what I'm saying here. Be in genuine relationship with people that value you and you value. Care for each other as Jesus would care for you. You know, if you're in a community and you talk to, you know, talking to everyone, not just one or two people, but if you're trying to talk to everyone, it's like getting blood out of a rock. Maybe that's not the greatest community. Uh, if people are repeatedly not interested in you ever, and I'm not saying if you're the kind of person you talk about yourself all the time, because... Those, I don't know if you're like that. I'm not sure how many people want to talk to you all the time. What I'm saying is like, hey, if you are trying to engage in conversation, everyone's like, oh, me and me and this and that and I and this. You know what I'm saying? If they're always talking about themselves, maybe they haven't thought about you. Community, if, think about it, If you're in a community, that community only happens at certain events and there's no opportunity to outside of that. There's no connection outside of that. There's no relationship outside of that. Maybe that's not the most ideal community to be a part of. Maybe ask yourself in the communities in your world, are they the right community for you? Are they for everyone? Are they inclusive for all people? Are they genuine? Do people actually care about you? Do you actually care about the people in that community? Maybe it's something to look inside. Side note. Okay, number three, the third thing we're going to observe here is that this relationship was physical and it was spiritual. And I want to look at these separately and then together. Um, Let me clarify what I mean by physical Physical as in tangible, as in identifiable, real. So not imaginary. It's like we can see the real relationship these guys had. So, for example, the early church met together at the temple and they met in houses. Can we see temples and houses? Yes. We know that because they're meeting together, they have a real tangible relationship. They ate together. They prayed together. They praised God together. Once again, tangible, actionable things. These are not just like, yeah, I think we did that. They said we did that. No, we can actually see these things. Think about the groups of people in your world. Can you identify a tangible relationship? Or is it just a namesake? You know, uh, We can have family that we never actually see. Yes, they're family, but are they community? I have family that lives in Western Australia. Yeah, absolutely, they're family. They'll, you know, once every, I don't know how often, they'll visit. We might go and visit them. And we're family, but like outside of that... I don't feel any contact. I wouldn't say they're my close family. Do you guys get what I'm saying there? Um, that's not quite tangible in that relationship. Now, in our close world and the day-to-day lives, of course, we can see tangible things, tangible evidence of our relationship. Uh, and they actually help us uh, relate back to that community. I think of the gym that I go to. I've been going there for many years. I know most of the staff. I know a fair chunk of the members that are regular at the same time of day that I am. 
I'm part of that community. And I, I like lifting weights. So even if I didn't know anyone, I'd still feel like part of that community, right? And now, that's a good thing. Who would agree? Good, I'm glad. But I don't think it's everything when it comes to quality, physical relationship, uh, or even in community. I think there's actually a deeper level to it because it's really easy to be part of a physical relationship with a group of people, right? You can go to the right place. You can say all the right things. uh, You can feel like you're part of it because you like what they're doing, but you don't actually feel connected to the community. Does anyone get what I'm saying here? That's a bit like what I feel like uh, with the gym. Yes, I know the people, I do the right things, I enjoy it, I feel connected, but I'm not connected in that sense. That's because the spiritual aspect of that relationship is actually really important. I think as humans, we like to tend towards the physical relationship because it's a bit easy. You don't have to go deep. You don't have to open up. You can just be you, do the things, talk to the people, enjoy it. That's cool. But when we go deeper, that's when real relationship, deep relationship forms. If we look at the spiritual in the scripture, these guys prayed together. Have you ever shared something you're going through with someone close to you and then prayed over it together? Has anyone experienced that? Has anyone ever just sat down? Actually, Levi just shared about this. The young adults last night worshiping, just having a barbecue, got together, just started praising God together. Or even just had a conversation with someone where you talked about how good God is. You praised him in that sense. Has anyone ever done these things? These two things are really clear in the scripture. Um, And we can look at them as just part of the general stuff, but actually we need to pause because there's real power in those things. I think we would be unwise to overlook what that does. See, what happened was when the church was praying together and praising God together, they were building spiritual bonds in the community. It wasn't just a physical relationship then, it was a spiritual relationship. People were connected together and with God. I think that makes a really well-rounded relationship. I think about it like this. You know, if we're expressing faith alone for a situation, there might become a point where it's hard to express that faith alone because you're like, I actually don't know if God's going to come through. But when we get together and we express faith by praying or praising God together, man, I, I know that encourages me. When I'm feeling a bit down and I see other people lifting up his name, I'm like, man, if God can do stuff in their lives, he can do stuff in my life. And that strengthens my faith. I would say that is strengthening my spiritual bond with those people. When I'm in life group and I'm like, you know what, guys, I just can't see a way through. And someone goes, oh, actually, what if you try this? Man, I, I feel like that's actually God speaking through that person. That strengthens the bond in life group. You know, if, think about it being thankful. It's really easy to thank God when things are good, right? Yeah. 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 I thank God. And then there's times when things are tough and it gets a little hard and we're looking for the God in it. You know, I think when we come together as a group and we lift up his name, we actually start celebrating the wins that people are having outside of ourselves. It opens our eyes to the bigger picture that God's not just working for some people. He's actually working for all people. It just might be in a different time. I know for me that strengthens my ability to be thankful uh, because I can see God is always working. If, if I can't see God in my life and I only look in, I might lose sight of God working everywhere else. And when we do that as a group, we, our spiritual attitudes begin to shift. Rather than being inwardly focused, we start becoming outwardly focused. We start focusing on the community, the group of people, the everyone else, creating just letting people in and being genuine and building real genuine relationship with them and then beginning to celebrate and pray together and build that relationship. Man, because this, this, after all, community is not about, well, I don't see it as a regular ritual to be done. Like, think about church, right? 
it's really easy to go, yeah, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you know, work, Saturday, yeah, whatever, Sunday comes around, you're like, gotta go to church tonight, you know, and then we go to church, we tick the box and go home. I don't see that as community, because I, I see that as a ritual. You know, I, I think actually communally we're intentional of building here at New Hope is building a safe place to be who you are. It's about knowing where your safe place is. It's not just uh, the ch- physical church, but it's in church, it's in the group of people that make up what we call the church. I think it's about knowing where you can safely share and explore the issues of life in a community that loves you and cares for you, a place where all people are believed in and celebrated and championed despite where they're at on the journey, despite what your life looks like, because that's the way Jesus would do it. I think that's the kind of community we should be a part of, one that's for everyone, that's genuine, that is physical and spiritual. And I think this isn't a jab at us at New Hope that says we do this bad, because I don't think we do. I actually think we do this quite well. If we didn't, I wouldn't be here. Eight years ago, I walked into church. I'd never been to church in my life. If there wasn't community, that was for everyone, because trust me, I was a mess. Uh, if it wasn't genuine, I would be able to pick it up pretty quickly. If it didn't go deeper than just the how you're going, I'd be gone. I wouldn't be here today, and I know that's a lot of people's stories. Now, that's the community we're intentional in creating here. Now, I know we're not always perfect at it because we're people. have grace for that. But the community... Um, whether it's you know actual actual church service three times a Sunday, nearly su- every Sunday all year. I don't know the maths on that. Uh, two online campus uh, services nearly every Sunday all year. We have after parties. I know that's Pastor Levi and Talitha's heart for after parties is building genuine, real community. People can get to know each other. What about life groups or at youth on a Friday or events like sisterhood? These are all places we're not just doing to tick off a box on a calendar, but we're trying to create intentional community for us all to be a part of. And now when I say we, I don't mean the team at New Hope. I actually mean us. Us is a collective group of believers who are all together uh, in the house tonight. Like This is the community that we need to be intentional in creating, not just for ourselves, but for the person sitting next to you, for the person, your neighbor, if you're watching online, for the, you, you know, just because you're online doesn't mean that you're not part of this community. You absolutely are part of the community, and you can create community right where you're at. You know, none of these are random moments. This is intentional. We're trying to create a community that we can all feel like we're a part of, where we're all welcome, where we're all genuinely cared for, that we welcome anyone who's willing, and we want to build real, deep physical, spiritual relationship with. I've got some questions for us as we finish. Can you acknowledge to yourself that despite your past, you can still engage in that community? I think that's the first hurdle we need to overcome because we've all got a past, but Jesus looks at us and he doesn't see it. He loves us right where we're at. He meets us right where we're at. If you don't write yourself off because you're loved and you're valuable, can you identify a community of quality people in your world? If not, Do you know where you need to look? Do you know what needs to change? And on the flip side, how can you help people in your world find that community? How can you be that community for people around you? Do you genuinely care for people in your community? I think that's something we need to acknowledge to ourselves. Do we feel genuinely cared for? And uh, I'd ask you this, what do you need to do to begin feeling genuinely cared for? Sometimes people care for us and we don't even realise because there's something in in us blocking it. We don't see it. How can you create that experience for others? Is spending intentional time in a community of quality people high on your priorities list? I think, yes, we can all know the value and say the value, but 
is our action where our mouth is? Yeah. Are we actually doing it? Yeah. If it's not, why not? What needs to shift? Whatever that is. Are you neglecting what fills you for what someone else has told you you need? Yeah, let's all stand as we close. But those questions, you don't have to know the answers to them now. There's something to think about. Pastor Shane Willard, one of our great guests, always says, you know, preaching is not to be agreed or disagreed with, it's to be wrestled with. Yeah. Maybe one of those questions really sticks with you and something you need to go away and think about. By all means, go and do it. Um, maybe your next step is to engage in community. Whatever that is, maybe that is jumping on a team or joining a life group or, hey, just having a conversation with someone you've never met at the after party. Maybe your next step is engaging in community with Jesus Christ. Now, that's the image that he painted for us. I talked about that a little earlier. When he came, you look at the Gospels, the image he's painting is not that God's a guy with a big stick who wants to hit you because you did something wrong 30 years ago. God wants to live in relationship with you, in community with you. He wants to walk through life with you on that journey, wherever you are. And if that is you tonight, you're like, yeah, actually, I think I, think I need to engage in that community. Just really simply in your heart, just ask Jesus into it. Just say, hey, Jesus, come into my life. If you're online, our host will put a link in the comments you can react to. They'll have a talk with you and just, cause we want to encourage you on that journey. If you're here in the room, Sarah will also share a little bit about that. But I'll just encourage you, if you do that genuinely, it's going to change your life. Because I really believe Jesus will bring you into the community in the sense that he'll bring you in, he'll welcome you, he'll build genuine relationship with you. And if you pursue him, hey, your life will never be different. Not different. Never be the same. That's what we want. I know for me, it was the best decision I ever made. Um, And hey, yeah, I'm going to invite Sarah. She's going to share a little bit more about that.